Interestingly enough, a poll was taken years ago, and the people were asked, if you could ask God one question, what would you ask? And the number one question to God was, why am I here, and what is your purpose for my life? How am I here? Why am I here? Has anyone ever wondered that before? Why am I here? And does my life have any meaning? Does my life have an assignment or a purpose in my life? That was the number one question that people thought they would ask the Lord. So all of us have questions that we've probably asked the Lord like, should I move? Now, when I ask these questions, just raise your hand if that's you. Should I move? Okay, that was mine. Um, who should I marry? You better ask the Lord that question is all I'm telling you. You better ask the Lord before you ask your mother, uh, who should I marry? Uh, what career path should I choose? How many of you know that's a big one that changes your whole trajectory? So we ask questions, does God really have a will for my life, or is, does he really care? Does God really care about me being in his will? Some people ask, does God really care who I marry? I think he absolutely does. That is the reason that Abraham sent a servant with a prophecy to go find the wife of his son. He said, wait until this person fulfills this prophecy, then you will know the Lord has gone before you and chosen this person for Isaac. So that was important. Um, so we, we asked the Lord questions like, do you really care where I live? Do you really care where I work? And unfortunately, because of these kinds of questions, there are tragically so many people spending their entire life in a cycle of bad choices. You know anyone like that? You don't have to point them out. Don't show me any pictures right now. Not the right, not the right time. But there are some people, unfortunately, that have lived out a life of bad choices. And some of them are Christians who make one bad decision after another and find themselves strapped to all kinds of things that was not God's divine plan for their life. You know, the Bible does tell us that we reap what we sow. And so it's important to understand that when we're, when we're sowing something, we need to, and, and probably the biggest area of that is in our words. We reap what we sow with our mouth because remember in the parable of the sower, the sower went forth to sow. What was he sowing? The word, the word of God. So we probably reap what we sow more in what we say than what we do. That's very important. So um, every Christian has struggled with decisions, and sometimes we don't realize that the major decisions in our life are things that we have to live with for a long time. So this is just my list. It's not anyone else's list, but I come up with what I think are the top five decisions that you're going to make in your life. So this is what I come up with on my list. So if you'll put those on the screen for us, guys. The, the top five decisions you will ever make, following God and making Jesus the Lord of your life. To me, if you change that, you start changing everything else in your life. Now, understand this. I've said this for years. I don't know that I've said it here a lot, but I need to start saying it more. We talked last week about the Bentleys who never came to church with an empty back, back seat. They always filled it up with children. And through those children, lots of families got saved because they kept filling up their back seat with children in their neighborhood until they started winning so many people to the Lord. This is something the Bentleys knew that a lot of people don't know. If you win an adult to the Lord, you have saved the soul. 
But if you win a child to the Lord, you've saved a soul and a life. Do you realize how many different choices they're going to make throughout their life because now Jesus Christ is the Lord of their life? So it's, it's not more important. It's equally as important to win anybody to the Lord if they're lost, but it's extremely important to win children to the Lord so they will make godly decisions the rest of their life. So the person you marry is the next decision that you'll make that will change your whole life. Other than following God, that's one of the biggest decisions you will ever make because it will influence more things in your life than you can possibly imagine. If it goes well, thank the Lord. If it goes wrong, well, oh, thank you. Oh, help me, Jesus, you know. But it's one of those things that, that, that you need to really pay attention to in your life. How many children you have, or if you have children, that's something that would change your life. The career path that you choose. You know, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said there's only five things worth living for, and everything else is like chasing the wind. This, is, this guy had more gold than anybody, more wives than anybody, more buildings than anybody, more power and influence than anybody in the world. He says, enjoy your food. How many of you would say amen to that? He said, that will bring you joy. Think about the most fun times you've had was probably around a table, all right? Solomon knew that. He said, enjoy your food. He said, enjoy your work. Because if you work, he said, if you're miserable all day long in your work, you're going to have a miserable life because you spend way too many hours doing that. So enjoy your food. Enjoy your, enjoy your, uh, your work. He said, Find somebody that helps you laugh. He said that's one of the things that's important. Find a friend that makes you laugh. Now, there are some of you in this room, you don't have one friend that makes you laugh. We need to, you need to be in the prayer line tonight. I'm not saying anything's wrong with you. I'm saying you need that. Listen, I need more friends in my life that make me laugh. And I'm happy when I can be the guy that makes other people laugh every now and then. So you, you need people in your life who make you laugh. That's what Solomon says. Solomon said fall in love. That was the next one. And the last one was to serve the Lord. He said, those are the five things worth living for. Everything else is like chasing after the wind. So following God, the person you marry, the children you have, the career path you choose, and then your personal plan to be healthy. And if you don't have a personal plan to be healthy and you ever get unhealthy, you're going to wish you had a personal plan to be healthy. That's one of the biggest decisions that you'll ever make in your life. Be healthy in body, soul, and spirit. And if you don't take those things seriously, all of these things will, will affect the trajectory of your life. So, so I need to ask you this question. Do you think these are all my choices or are all these God's choices for me? Well, I think if God's making choices for us, then it, everything in our life is going to go extremely well, right? No, I think we're making these choices together based upon our relationship with the Lord. And that's why I put God first, because if you're not talking to God about your choices, then he's not weighing in on the choices that you're making. So the journey to God first starts with your personal journey with God. Okay, your journey to God first starts with your personal journey with God. We can't ask God to order our steps when we're not even walking with him. Lord, how can I ask you to order my steps when I'm not even holding your hand? I'm not even walking the same way you're going. You're there and I'm here. So if I really want my life to go in the right way, the most important relationship that I cannot neglect is my relationship with the Lord. And it's more than just coming to an altar and getting saved. It is a daily relationship. 
Sometimes you need to take a walk with the Holy Spirit and just have a conversation. Sometimes you just need to light a candle with God and just love on him a little bit, have some romance with the Lord. I mean, it's not just about, I need you, I need you, I want you, I want you, help me, help me, help me. Yes, he is your counselor, but he's so much more than that. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be the lover of your soul. He wants to be your companion in life. So the richer your relationship is with God, the, the easier it is to make life decisions because he's helping you to make those life decisions. So God is not making these choices for you he is making these choices with you and that is important to know when I'm wanting to be in God's will some people are just like tell me what to do tell me what to do tell me what to do and a lot of we'll find this out in just a moment but a lot of knowing God's will is about self-discovery God says I've already put things inside of you when you discover them you're gonna you're gonna begin to discover the purpose and plan that I have for you in in your life Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com. Or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. Okay, so here's the first thing that I know without a doubt is God's will for your life. Here's the first thing that I know. John 6 and 40 says, for this is the will of God. This, somebody say that first line with me. For this is the will of God. Say it one more time. For this is the will of God that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. It is the will of God for everybody to be saved. Don't think that you are beyond salvation. It does not matter what you've done. It does not matter how bad you've, how long you did it. It does not matter who you've hurt or who has hurt you. It is God's will that everybody is saved. So that is the first thing that I know is God's will for you. The Bible says the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So this brings me to a word when we talk about God is not willing that any should perish. It brings me to a word that sometimes really gets misunderstood in the scripture. So go in your Bibles with me, and I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I want us to break this word. This There's two verses here that I really want to break down. I'm going to ask you to do this two more times before this sermon ends. So this, this first one is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. The word I want to focus on is the word predestination. Now, I don't know what you've been taught about predestination, but this is a word that confuses a lot of people about God. Okay, so let's talk about it. In him we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined. Now, here's the part you need to underline in your Bible. According to the purpose of him. Okay, according to purpose predestined according to purpose of him who works all things according to the, get this, the counsel of his will. Wait a minute. So he is, my predestination has, is locked into two things, the purpose God has for my life 
and the counsel that he has given me to come in alignment with his will. That he who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. All of us have been created to bring praise to the Lord and glory to the kingdom of God. All of us have been created for that purpose. Now, um, one, this word predestination is a Greek word, uh, parisio, which actually means foreordained. And this word trips a lot of people up. This Greek word trips a lot of people up because some people have come up with the idea that you don't have any choices. It's like God is playing this massive chess game with your life and you're a pawn and you don't have any choices. And this is where a lot of people end up mad at God. Well, well you did this to me. You know, you made this happen to me because if they believe this, they don't have any choices. So I don't want to pick on this group, but I want to explain something to you that has been explained to people who believe in Reformed Calvinism. Okay, so Reformed Calvinism believes in something called the tulip theory or the tulip. They would call it a theology. I definitely call it a theory. All right. I don't even believe John Calvin believed this. All right. So this is this is not, in my estimation, predestination. This is predetermination. And there's a big difference in predestination. I'm going to show you what that means and predetermined. So predetermination means I have no choices. God just did this to me. And I have no choices. Predestination means I have choices, and God knows where that destination is going to end when I make that choice. That's the difference in these two words. So the, the T is, uh, is total depravity of man. I buy into that one, okay? Meaning that man needs God to draw him to him. And so I believe that man is depraved in our Adamic nature, which is the nature of Adam. So I believe that man is depraved and that it is the drawing of the Holy Spirit that brings brings us to God. I believe that. But I believe everyone is drawn by the Holy Spirit to the Lord. That's what I believe. So I believe in the total depravity of man. Here's where they lose me is unconditional election. So this means that God chooses who gets saved based upon his foreknowledge. So if you are a part of the elect in that belief system, then uh, you didn't choose God. God chose you and you don't have any choice in the matter because God kind of knows all the choices you're going to make in your entire lifetime. And so up front, because of his foreknowledge, you have been counted as a part of the elect. Now, this is, this is where this thing begins to fall apart on me. Because the next one is limited atonement. You know what limited atonement means? Christ only died for the elect. Limited atonement means Christ did not die for whosoever will let them come and drink of the water of life freely. And this right here loses John 3, 16 with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, everybody say that, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So how can I buy into a theology that Jesus only died for the elect and that, it, that the atonement of Jesus Christ is limited to only the elect? And then there is the irresistible grace. So if you are the elect, it means you don't have a choice to serve God because the grace of God is irresistible. Well, I do believe God's irresistible, but I also know that you can choose not to serve him and you can choose to backside. You can divorce 
divorce yourself from God. God even calls himself in the Bible, God the divorcee. So every divorcee in the house, you're in good company. All right, it happens sometimes. You know what? Nobody wants it to happen, but sometimes it happens. But God, one of the titles of God in the Old Testament is God the divorcee. And you know what he meant by that? You can walk off from me, but I'll never walk off from you. If you ever decide to come back, I'm going to be waiting right here with puckered lips because I am not giving up on you. You can give up on me. You can curse my name and you can run to the ends of the earth, but I will always be here waiting on you because I am a God that loves you forever. And that's basically what that term literally means. So irresistible grace means you don't have a choice. You have to, you have to accept God when he draws you. And then finally, the perseverance of the saints, which means that the elect cannot lose their salvation. So you get, you hear people talk about once saved, always saved. I don't believe once saved, always saved, but I do believe once in grace, always in grace. Now, how can you get by with that, Dr. B? I don't believe, I do believe you can walk away from God, but I don't believe God will ever walk away from you. I believe once the grace of God has drawn you, it will draw you to your last breath on this earth. If you run to the ends of the earth and denounce his name and curse him with every breath, I believe the last word you'll hear in your ears is Jesus saying, come home, son. Come home, daughter. I'm still waiting on you. Once in grace, always in grace. He's pulling you in. But I can't buy into, I can get saved and then go out and live a sinful life and I'm still saved because I'm the elect. And this is where this doctrine gets very dangerous. And of course, the people who believe this say, well, if that was you, you were never really saved to start with. So they have a loophole there to get out of that. When a minister fails or someone who's been a leader in the church fails, they say you were never saved. Yo, so you were leading worship at our church for 25 years and you were never saved? You were the pastor of the church for 40 years and you were never saved? That's where that whole thing begins to fall apart. Now, I've picked on that enough, so let me go on to the good stuff. All right, you ready? So what is predestination? Predestination does not mean that I'm elect, I can't lose my salvation. So what does it mean? It's like a fork in the road. So a destination is you making a choice and God knows exactly which, where that destination is going to end. If I choose right, God says, okay, you chose right. Here's where it's going to end. I know the destination. I know it ahead of time. I know the left destination. You know, I live, a, it takes us about 30 minutes to drive home from here. And I can tell you there is about four ways we can get home. And if Faith and I ever have to drive two cars, I can tell by the way she starts out which way she's going home. But I can tell you the destination is always the same. She may choose a different route, but the destination is always home. And I know when she chooses that route, where she's going to go by, what she's going to drive by, because that's my foreknowledge of the route. God knows in his foreknowledge that when you make decisions, where those decisions are going to lead you. Did he make those decisions for you? No. He's making decisions with you, but sometimes we get off track in our decisions with the Lord. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world.